You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is my 13th year. I've done it um, 13 or well, 12 different ways. Um, so I wanted to make sure I made an educated decision and went with a team, you know, where, you know, um, there was you know mutual interest in you know, my ability to play and how I'll be used and the opportunity to win. Because at this point, you know, um, I've done a lot of football. One of the things I have not done is, you know, I haven't got over 100 sacks. I haven't won a playoff game and I haven't clearly won a Super Bowl. So those are things that I would like to do at this point in my career. And I'm in hot pursuit, and I feel like this team gives me a great opportunity, the best opportunity to do it. So. We are back. It is show in BK on the Chiefs. Show is taking his 17th vacation in the last two weeks, so he is not available to be up uh, with us today. We called this last week. He said he was going to try to make it work. Serta, he is not here right now, so we will not be having Ron the Show Hughley today. How you doing, Serta? I'm fantastic, and I'm glad you mentioned it because I did call it last week at the start of the show. He was like, we're here for you each and every week now ready for the season to start, ready to get rolling. And I was like, you're going to be gone next week. And all week long, he was like, nah, I'm going to try to make it. I'm going to try to make it. And we are like, no, you're not. You're not going to be here. You're on vacation. It's perfectly fine for you to not be here. Like, it's totally understandable. You're in San Diego right now. Like, you're <laughs> in a totally different state and city than you normally live in. It's okay for you to just say, I'm on vacation. And then he texted us this morning. It was like, yeah, we're going to SeaWorld today. I don't think I don't think we're gonna make it. Like you didn't have to do all this. I told you last week it was fine. You're on vacation. It's okay. The season hasn't started yet. It's not a big deal. I think he's probably just chilling with Juan Soto. Like he heard Juan Soto's heading out to San Diego. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna have to go out to a Padres game. This was an unforeseen event. I was unprepared for it, and that that's what he's really doing. SeaWorld's just a cover for him. That's all that was. I mean, if that's the case, I, I definitely don't blame him. Um, no. <laughs> perfectly fine excuse, but that sounds better. I don't know if you saw the scene at um, at Petco on Wednesday night, but in his first game out there, I there are very few sporting events that I would have rather been at over the last year or so than that one. That was unbelievable. All right, let's get into the Chiefs because that audio you heard coming in was Carlos Dunlap talking about why he signed in Kansas City. And Serta, I'm falling for it. I, I am officially falling for the Chiefs' defensive line. We all know that Chris Jones is going to be very good this year. I have high expectations for what George Karloftis could be this year. But the ceiling for this defensive line comes down to two players. One, are you getting the Carlos Dunlap that can be in seven to eight sack guy if you are okay that changes a lot of what we're expecting from this unit and two and i'm just gonna uh, read this from pete sweeney's twitter account at pg sween laugh if you must but i think frank clark who has shown up to camp about 10 pounds lighter than he was a year ago 
looks as good as he has since that late 2019 stretch. His get-off is better. He looks as fresh on the field at the end of workouts as he does at the beginning. Again, that coming from Pete Sweeney on Twitter. If Frank Clark can be that guy again, Serta, it's a huge if. All of the disclaimers are out there. But if he can be that guy that can be a 10-plus sack guy for you this year, man, suddenly I start looking at this defense a lot differently. But that is like a necessary addition of him becoming the guy that they thought they were trading for. I wasn't ready to buy into this. And we've been making jokes on this show about skinny Frank and everything that he was doing this off season, the pictures he was taking about all this weight he's lost. And then he spoke to the media at training camp. And I was like, man, I'm in, I, I'm in love again. Like I am, I am back on, on board this thing because he was so honest and he's usually a, a good press conference. Like he usually gives you some stuff, cusses sometimes, like is, is a little bit more loose than some of the other Chiefs players are, like a little bit less buttoned up. And so he's never been short on personality in his press conferences, but this one seemed more transparent than even he normally is, where he was being dead serious about a lot of the changes that he's made in his life this offseason. And we know he's had some legal problems and still has a legal problem that he's probably dealing with, but he seemed optimistic that that's going to come to a conclusion here in the near future. But when he started talking about all the changes he's made and the way he's like talking about his kids and the way he has to take care of them and looking ahead to the future and why he wants to be here in Kansas city. Like I was bought all into that. I, I was about everything that he was saying because it sounds like he is dead serious about this season. And when you look at the veteran pass rushers that we saw get paid this off season, like Von Miller and Chandler Jones and Zadarius Smith, like all these big contracts, he's got to know that maybe his time is up here in Kansas city in the near future. But if he goes out and has a double digit sack season, he could still go out and get paid somewhere else or maybe stay here in Kansas city for a few more years. Yeah. I mean, he knows it's a, it's a contract year because next year his cap hit is $30 million. They can cut him. It'll cost them $9 million. He's not going to be here on that deal. He's either going to have a long-term contract in Kansas City or elsewhere, or he's going to be out of the league. Like, it's just, there is no way. There's two directions that his career can go. He can either be the guy that ends up taking the Carlos Dunlap types of deals, right? Where it's a one-year veteran minimum type of contract with a lot of incentives. And if you live up to those incentives, you'll get a decent payday, but realistically speaking, you'll make like three, four, five million bucks. Or you can go that other route, the route that you're talking about, Serta, where there's going to be a lot of teams that are interested in Frank Clark coming off of this season. If he has like a double-digit sack year, he's 30 years old next year. He can come in on a three-year, like $40 million contract. That is out there for the taking for him. But it requires him playing very well. And maybe more importantly, it requires him being on the field, man. The biggest issue with Frank Clark is not even so much that he's been invisible when he's out there, although that has been a problem at times. It's more so the fact that he's just not playing enough. He's had injury issues, and more so it's the stomach issues. And so you mentioned the press conference that he gave um, last week, I think it was. I thought it was really telling that he said, listen, the reason that I gave up alcohol is not because I, I felt like I had a problem or anything, but it was messing with my stomach. And we know he's had stomach issues that have really been an issue for him over the years. If he's got that under control, and again, these are all massive ifs, and we'll find out how real all of this is. But if he's got that under control, 
And he's going to be on the field for, let's call it 15 or more games this year. And when he's out there, he's going to be more productive than he's been in the past because he's back to being that fast pass rusher that can come off of the edge and actually turn that corner. Man, it, it just, that does wonders for your defense because right now, you don't have a defensive end on the roster that profiles to be that guy. George Karloftis plays with power. Carlos Dunlap win- wins by going through the tackle. The only guy that you have that can win as a, a real speed edge rusher is Frank Clark, and he's got to be able to do that going into this season. It's, you know, you mentioned that the the two different ways this could go for him this offseason, and there was a point last year where I was like, Frank's going to get cut this off season and he's probably not going to have a lot of suitors. He's going to be one of these guys, like kind of like a Carlos Dunlap who was just floating around out there, probably sign a cheap veteran minimum deal with somebody. And then he'll look bad and he'll fizzle out and maybe he bounces around to another roster or something. And then he'll eventually be out of the NFL. Like that's, that's where I was at with Frank Clark. After he could be year. Trey flowers. Trey, yeah. Fla- Trey flowers has not from what I understand signed with anybody so far. He had one and a half sacks last year to the year before that has played 14 games over the last two years. That's what Frank Clark's future looks like if he doesn't play well this year. Yeah. That, and that's where I was going into this off season before they restructured things with him. And when they restructured, we were like, what are we doing? Why, why are they keeping Frank? Just cut it. What is going on here? But it, it seems like he has really made that commitment to try to bounce back this season. And then you add in a Carlos Dunlap. So you know that you don't have to lean so much on George Karloftis to be this huge impact player immediately because you know that you got a guy in Carlos Dunlap who's capable of just giving you eight sacks this season. Like, you know, that's what you can get out of him. Like, that's his floor. And it makes everything so much easier. And so if we are talking about a different Frank Clark, if we're really buying into this, then it's hard for me not to start feeling good about the Chiefs pass rush. Like, I'm starting to really talk myself into it because – yeah, you expect Chris Jones to be the menace that he is inside and never hopefully play outside again. Um, though I think he has taken a few snaps there uh, during training camp. <laughs> but now, once they actually get Carlos Dunlap into the mix there, I would have to imagine that's probably going to stop again. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, this certainly isn't the best defensive line in football, but they can be a problem again. You, they're not a liability again like they were last season when they were struggling to put pressure on quarterbacks all season long. Yeah, you look back to what they were in 2019, and I think that's what the hope is, right? Like, you're, are they going to be perfect? No. But in 2019, Chris Jones had nine sacks. Frank Clark had eight. You had Emmanuel Ogba, who for the first half of that season before his injury, he had five and a half, and he was a little bit of a, a problem for opposing defenses. Tano was pretty solid that year. Okafor contributed. That's what you're hoping for. Two guys that lead the unit and then a bunch of other guys that are contributing. That's what they're going to need this season. And then overall for the defense that year, they had 45 sacks, just kind of came together. That's what you need this year. So here's the question that I've got for you, Serta. Let's put a number on this. What are you expecting from Frank Clark? Like, it's one thing to be optimistic. It's one thing to buy into the resurrection and this idea that he can go back to being the guy that he was. Okay, what does that mean? What are you actually believing that he can be? Like, is it a a 10 sack season? Is it an eight sack season? What are you expecting realistically out of Frank this year? I, I mean, if we're supposed to believe what he's been selling, then it's got to be 10 sacks, right? Like it's got to be a double digit sack season because, but before this press conference, I was like, 
Frank's got like four in him, maybe five sacks. Like that's all I'm expecting from him. If he gets anything over that, then that's fantastic. But I'm just not expecting anything from him. And I was so impressed by all of it. And, you know, it, it's not like he's a crazy old player. Like he, he is getting up there in age, but he's still at that age where we're seeing guys that at that pass rush position that can still have huge impacts, which is why we saw those guys get paid like that this off season because they're so valuable. And I'm willing to bet that Frank sees himself as one of those guys. And that's why he's making the changes because he knows that what he was doing the past couple of seasons isn't going to get him paid and isn't going to get it done on the football field. So it, I think it's got to be that. I think it's got to be like 10 to 12 sacks. I'm at eight. I'm not quite as optimistic as you are That's yet. Fair. I When I heard Pete say 2019 version of Frank Clark, it's like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. He had eight sacks that year. That, that would be what I would bet on right now. If you set the over-under at eight and a half, I would take the under. And I, I think that's probably where the safe money is. I hope I'm wrong, though, man. There would be nothing better than Frank Clark coming out out this year and just having a tremendous season. And if he does, here's the other thing. He still probably needs to be elsewhere next year because you just can't trust it long term, man. I'm rooting for him. I hope he's got A, his life back on track, but B, also what he's doing on the football field back on track. But either way, regardless of what happens this season, it's probably going the way of Tyron Matthew where you might feel yourself like tugging at the heartstrings at the end of the season saying, oh, no, they should definitely bring him back. No, they shouldn't. They should probably let him walk and then go get their whoever the Justin Reed version is for the defensive end spot. That's what you need to get this off this next offseason. Get younger, get faster, get more trustworthy on the field. That's what you're probably going to need this offseason. But Frank Clark having a great year would definitely help them a on the field this year. But also maybe you're able to get some kind of draft pick or something for him going into the offseason. As for optimism that I am buying in on Serta. I think Isaiah Pacheco might be real. When I saw Albert Breer, who works for Sports Illustrated, tweet out his five takeaways from the Chiefs camp. He was there for a day earlier this week. And the number one takeaway that he had was name to watch Isaiah Pacheco. Seventh round running back, lighting up camp in Kansas City. He said, quote, he's got Kareem Hunt types of traits, and a gear that Kareem Hunt didn't have. Okay, let me start here. I think the Kareem Hunt comparison is completely unfair to Isaiah Pacheco because Kareem Hunt came in and had the perfect situation because Spencer Ware got hurt. He was put on the injured reserve right before the season. It was Kareem Hunt's job, first through third down. It was all him. It was the Kareem Hunt show right away. So he had the opportunity that was there and he was just incredibly NFL ready. He had the, the balance that we've talked so much about, the contact balance. He was in the perfect offense to utilize his skill set. Everything about that situation was ideal for Kareem Hunt. That is not the case for Isaiah Pacheco going into the season. He has three other guys that he's battling for snaps, much less to be the every down guy. You're probably going to have Clyde as your starter this year. One of, if not both of, Ronald Jones and then Jet are going to be on the roster and will contribute in some kind of a way. And then you also have Pacheco in the mix. I'd be shocked if he doesn't make the roster at this point. And that was no guarantee going into training camp. But 
I am buying into the idea of him being somebody that can contribute this year and then maybe can be a featured guy down the road. I don't want to lose sight of, though, the fact that this is a seventh-round running back that even if he can simply go out there and be a good contributor in the passing game, that should be considered a success this year. That's all you need out of Isaiah Pacheco for this to be a successful year. I've been on Isaiah Pacheco since I drafted him. Um, We talk about in fantasy football, we talk about like peripheral numbers, like things that you can look at that are good predictors of future success in football, especially when you're doing like dynasty fantasy football drafts and trying to evaluate young players and, and find, uh, you know, diamonds in the rough, like guys that you could take late round flyers on. And he fits every single one of them the same way that Kareem hunt did when he was drafted. The difference is that, you know, Kareem hunt was a third round pick, whereas Isaiah Pacheco is a seventh round pick, but he had all the predictors when you look at his athletic scores and all of those things, like the, uh, a good predictor of young running back success in the NFL is tackle breaking ability. He has that. He's also explosive. He's the right size for a running back. In my opinion, he's, he's bigger than Clyde. He's thicker than Clyde and he's more explosive than Clyde. Like he he's got all the things that you want that can be, that can predict future success at the position and he's continued to flash in training camp. He's been getting time with the number one offense, which leads me to believe that he is going to have a role on this team. Dave Toe basically already said you are, he's our number one kick returner. So he's on the roster. He is a lock for this roster as far as I'm concerned, unless he just has like a disastrous preseason or something, but I, it'd be, it would take a lot. I think at this point for him to not make the team somehow, but he just has all of the things that you want in a late round draft pick and say, man, this guy looks like he could have been a steal for the Kansas city chiefs. And I'm just about it. I'm buying into it. And we were coming into this talking about how we really thought Ronald Jones was going to find a role for himself on this team as a compliment to Clyde, because Ronald Jones, you know, really when you break down his numbers, Ronald Jones might be a better runner of the football than Clyde Edwards Lair has been through the first two years of his career. And Clyde's given you nothing in the passing game, but the chiefs invested a first round draft pick in him. So they want to give him the opportunity to contribute this season. And, you know, he's healthy and the gallbladder thing. And so he's trying to say like, I, I got to prove myself this year, but Pacheco is really intriguing. I think he's going to be a really exciting player. And, I, I chatted with his position coach, Augie Hoffman, on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, and he said a lot of really good things about him and talked about his confidence. And that's a thing, too, BK. He's, he picked number 10. Like, he picked number 10 after Tyreek Hill. Like, that should have that told us all we needed to know about the type of player that they were getting. So, I've got Daryl Williams' numbers in front of me right now. I'm going to ask you, are you taking the over or under on these numbers in 2022 for Isaiah Pacheco? Okay. Last year, Daryl Williams had 550 rushing yards. Are you taking over or under for Pacheco? I go under. He had last year 450 receiving yards. Daryl Williams did. Are you taking over or under for Pacheco? I'd go under on that as well because he's going to be a compliment player this year. Okay. Unless I'm just making it. sure we put I, this in like the yeah. right specter. Like I, it's, I, I don't want people to get too excited. I, I like the player that he can be. I think he projects to be a really good player for the chiefs. I don't want to make it out to be something that he's not though. Like in his college career, he had 2000 rushing yards and 200 receiving yards. 
And you're right. Like we should mention he played for Rutgers, which is one of the worst football teams in the country. And that's an important note to have, but like, let's not get out over our skis too much here. If he gives you what, even anything approaching what Daryl Williams did a year ago, that is an unbelievably successful year for Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah. It's not going to be a knock on his rookie season to, to say that he can't uh, put up the numbers of Daryl Williams and Daryl Williams had extended playing time last year because Clyde got hurt. And so he put those numbers up because he was the chief's number one running back for a portion of the season last year. It would take a lot for that to happen for Isaiah Pacheco as a rookie. It's not the same case as it was with Kareem hunt where Spencer Ware went down in training camp and then Kareem Hunt, all, all of a sudden, your third-round rookie running back is your starter, which he was the better football player, and I think a lot of us knew that at the time. He just needed the opportunity. But I, they're going to work him into the offense slow, but he is absolutely going to have a role on this team. I would I would liken it more to like Larry Johnson, Jamal Charles, which seems absurd because, you know, obviously Jamal Charles – one of the best running backs we've probably ever seen in the National Football League. Uh, one of the greatest Kansas City Chiefs ever, in my opinion. And I'm not saying Isaiah Pacheco is Jamal Charles by any sense. I'm just saying it, it's reminiscent of that scenario where I like Clyde as a player. I think Clyde's a fine NFL running back. I don't think Clyde's a star. I, I don't think he's ever going to be that in his NFL career. I don't think we're going to see a situation where the Chiefs pick up Clyde's fifth-year option. Like I, I just don't think that's going to happen. But I think that this season they're going to make him the number one running back because they're going to say, you're the veteran guy now. We're going to give you the opportunity to be the top guy in this offense. And then they're going to sprinkle in Isaiah Pacheco and probably sprinkle in Jarek McKinnon. And Isaiah Pacheco is going to get that football and he's going to show the flashes of brilliance that Jamal Charles did when he was a young football player where you know Clyde is not explosive. We've talked about this before too. He doesn't create explosive plays. He hasn't done that during his time in the NFL. Isaiah Pacheco is going to break off a 50 yard run. And you're going to be like, Oh man, haven't seen that in a long time. <laughs> haven't seen a running back do that in a while here in Kansas city. So I, I think that the comp for me is what we saw. It was so incredibly brief, but that last game of the season last year against Denver Jarek McKinnon took on the role finally that a lot of people were expecting him to have for much, much of the season. Three carries, put up 25 yards, had a touchdown on the ground, and then had another five receptions as well in that game for about 25 yards. I, the five receptions is a lot. That, that's a ton. But I, I think something like that is probably what you're expecting out of Pacheco this year. It's like five to ten touches per game sounds about right to me. And if he can have that over the course of the season, I mean, you're finishing the year with like 120-ish touches by the end of the year. That's a really good season for a rookie. And if you show enough in those opportunities, the next year is when we could be talking about him taking that leap and being, he could be next year what a lot of people are talking about with Javante Williams in Denver this year, where, okay, this is the season where it's really going to come for him. And Melvin Gordon maybe takes a little bit of a step back. You got Williams taking the step forward. He's now the number one guy there in Denver. Maybe we see that out of Pacheco next year. I think it's lofty expectations to expect it out of him this year. We've mentioned, though, Jarek McKinnon and Ronald Jones. What do you think happens there? Because if we if we agree, and I think we do, Clyde is a lock. He's going to be your starter. Pacheco either is your number two or number three, but he's locked into this roster. 
Do you think they carry four running backs or are one of those guys between McKinnon and Jones at risk of not making this roster at this point? I think that Ronald Jones is not making this football team. Um, I, I've talked to Pete a ton about it on our daily chiefs training camp reports. And it's just the more I look at it and, you know, Jones has been getting his run with the ones and twos in practice and stuff. And he, he's been getting his opportunity to prove himself because he's a veteran running back who has shown some explosive playmaking ability in the NFL, but we know for certain he cannot catch passes. It's not something he has ever had success at in the NFL. He was terrible at it in Tampa Bay. It's just not something he can do. And he's not a very good pass blocker either. It's not something he had success at when he was playing with Tom Brady. And so I think those things are, are going to hurt him enough that he's not going to be able to make the team because if you're giving, you know, first two downs to Clyde and third, third down to Jarek McKinnon, and then, you're trying to get Isaiah Pacheco in the game to sprinkle in, in some reps for him. Like where, where is there room for Ronald Jones aside from just being a, an early down handcuffed to Clyde, basically like you don't keep guys like that on the roster when you've got so many other position groups that are battling for roster spots and guys that are showing flashes in camp. I guess here's the question. Do you trust either Jarek McKinnon or Isaiah Pacheco as your early down runner? If, Clyde were to get hurt this year because you might, I mean, we, the realistic scenario here is Clyde's probably going to miss a game at some point this year. And I think Ronald Jones can be in that role. I'm not sure that Pacheco or Jarek McKinnon can be. And so for that reason, I do wonder, are the roles so similar between Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon that it actually ends up being McKinnon that ends up being the one that is the odd man out because Pacheco does bring a lot of that like big play threat that you mentioned, and he's good in the passing game. He is a good pass blocker. There might be more overlap there between Pacheco and McKinnon than there would have been between Pacheco and Ronald Jones. Yeah, and I could see that. And I think I was surprised when they brought Jarek McKinnon back anyways. Like, and the fact that they took so long to do it, I was, and I know McKinnon said he had some offseason off-season procedures and stuff so maybe that's why um but I, I could see that too yeah that makes sense I, I just think that they'd be more likely because of what McKinnon did at the end of last season and because he's shown like he can be an effective pass blocker he's a, a more than effective pass catching running back I could see a scenario where it's a Derek Gore we like you you're going to the practice squad Ronald Jones, we're, we're going to cut you. Or maybe like Pete Sweeney has been saying, uh, see if we can do a uh, a late preseason trade and ship you somewhere like we did to Carlos Hyde a couple of years ago. And then we're going to keep McKinnon, Pacheco, and if something happens to Clyde, and then we can elevate Derek Gore, who got some runs for us last season. And we know we, we feel comfortable giving Derek Gore some handoffs when we need to. And he's not a guy that's going to get 15 touches a game. He's just a guy that's going to come in occasionally and take a handoff to give those guys a rest. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the more intriguing battles. The rest of camp is finding out, okay, what does that number three running back situation look like? Is it Jones? Is it McKinnon? Do one of those guys end up getting traded? Because I think we're all on the same page, at least for right now, Clyde's your number one, Pacheco's going to be here. And then it just comes down to, are you keeping four? Or are you going to have to, let go of one of those other two guys.
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Another spot that I'm really curious about, Serta, is that wide receiver. I really like this new way they're going about things with no legit number one guy, but you're just going to have different scenarios in which different guys make sense for you. Sky Moore is going to have a role on this team, but I don't think it's a role where he gets a hundred targets. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have a role on this team, but I don't think it's the same as what you're going to see out of a guy like McCole Hardman or Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They're all very different and unique, and they bring different skill sets to the table. My one concern about the Chiefs wide receivers is I don't know if they have a there's a minute 25 left in the game you're down by five I need somebody to go get me a bucket that scenario a year ago you know who it's going to because Kelsey might be getting doubled they're going to try to take him away in the middle of the field they're getting the ball to Tyreek and they're going to try to have him make a big play for them. I don't know who that guy is for them right now. That's something that will probably develop over the course of the season. But my one worry going into the season is who is that guy? And does it change game to game? Because we've seen this before where if you don't really have that number one guy and it starts to change week to week of who you trust in those situations, that can be a bit of an issue as well. That's something that I'm curious to see, especially as we get into these preseason games of, okay, who's the guy that Patrick really trusts in big-time situations? I don't know who it is right now, aside from Travis Kelsey. I don't think we're going to know who that is in preseason or training camp. I, we might not know who that is until halfway through the the actual NFL regular season. Thursday uh, night versus the Chargers might be our first time where we really find out. Yeah, and... You know, I'm talking myself into a lot of these guys, and I love the upside of Sky Moore. We've talked about Sky Moore a ton on this podcast, and I think he's a really, really talented player. I'm all about the training camp hype and everything that's going on there. And, you know, he talked about in his press conference this week, 
you know, how much time he's spending with Patrick Mahomes and how much, how many questions he's asking him. And that's the kind of stuff that you want to hear from your young rookie wide receiver who's trying to make an impact in the NFL. And I do think that he's got some huge, huge upside for them long-term, but realistically we're probably overselling what to expect from him as a rookie, just based on Andy Reid's track record and the way he deploys his rookie wide receivers. Like it's, I know everybody wants to say like, look at these rookie wide receivers who come in and they immediately dominate the NFL and have these huge seasons. Andy Reid traditionally does not treat his guys like that. Like that, that's just not really how he operates. So I think you have to temper expectations a little bit. Is he going to have a role in the offense? Absolutely. Is he going to be a playmaker? I really, really think so. But I, I think that he's not going to be a guy who's all of a sudden going to have 90% of the snaps midway through the season. I, I just don't see that happening for Sky Moore as a rookie. And I was leaning into McCole Hardman coming into the season. Now I'm kind of like, I guess it's Juju. Like, yeah, I guess, I, that's I guess my I guess guy. It's Juju. That, that's where I'm at as well, especially in the red zone. Like that guy's had a history of being really good there. I think he's going to be very helpful in those situations. And it seems like he's got great chemistry. I, I wanted to mention this, uh, sir, because I think there's been probably 10 different guys that have stepped to the podium at some point over the last week or so that have said something to the effect of, yeah, man, that that camp that we were doing down in Dallas with Patrick Mahomes was a really big deal. And being able to kind of get our chemistry down over a three to four week stretch and different guys were coming in at different times. And it seems like all of them got pretty good individual work with Mahomes. I got to give a lot of, a lot of credit to a Patrick Mahomes and B Andy Reed for allowing that to happen because it seems like that was a huge boost to their chemistry. So that way they didn't have to work on that in training camp. Now you're just hitting the ground running and you're ready to go. Juju mentioned it. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling mentioned it. Justin Watson mentioned that the other day. Apparently he was down in Dallas with Mahomes for like three weeks, and there's been a ton of Justin Watson buzz down at training camp, at least in part as a result of that. So I got to give a lot of credit to, to them for doing that. I mentioned Justin Watson I think I've got five locks at wide receiver right now to make this roster certain. I think they're going to keep six would be my guess. I've got Juju, MVS, McColl, Sky Moore, and this is not because he's my guy. I think Darius Fountain is making this team. I'd be pretty shocked if he's not because of his special teams role. He's on all four core special teams units. And when you hear... Dave Tobe mentioned a guy as being a core special teamer. Go ahead and write that down. Star it next to his name. That guy's making the roster. That's when I knew a few years ago that Blake Bell was making the team is because he was on all of the special teams units. So go ahead and put that down. I think the last spot comes down to Cornell Powell, Justin Watson, and I'm going to include his name in here just because he's men he's noteworthy, but I don't think he's going to make the roster. Josh Gordon. I think it comes down to those three guys for that last spot. Yeah, Josh Gordon's not making this team. <laughs> um, he is just not looks good. Um, didn't look good last season. Hasn't looked good in training camp. Like it just seems like it's kind of the end of the road for Josh Gordon as a player in the NFL. But now I agree with you. Um, when Dave Tobe goes out of his way to mention you um, and and your role on his unit, like Dave Tobe gets the call on the last like three four roster spots. Like he he gets. Oh no, that's my guy. That that's my guy on special teams. We we need him. Darius Fountain's one of those guys. So he he's one of those guys for Dave Tobe. So I totally agree. I think Darius Fountain is making this team because of his role there. And Cornell Powell has actually been pretty impressive in training camp. Like he, he apparently worked with the ones today. 
Yeah, he, he's been showing some flashes and everybody's been really positive saying, um, you know, I think and uh, before veterans reported, he had a stretch where it was rookies and quarterbacks where, you know, he, he caught like 10 passes in two practices like Cornell Powell is fighting to try to make this roster spot. And so I think it's going to come down to him and Justin Watson and we'll see with Justin Watson. I know he's been getting some hype too. I, one of these guys will probably stick around on the practice squad if they don't get scooped up by another team or something like that. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And the, the, that's the group. That's the core group of wide receivers that's going to be on this football team this season. I'll tell you why I think it is more likely that Powell is the guy that ends up getting that last roster spot is because Watson's game is very similar to what they have already in McCall uh, Hardman and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He is that deep threat where, at least in his time down in Tampa Bay, that was kind of the only thing that he really added to the team was he's going to go deep, he's going to catch the ball, he's going to run past people. Other than that, he really wasn't a significant factor in their offense. I think you probably want to have some more diversification in that unit Powell gives you more of what Juju is. And so it's almost like a, it's not a direct replacement because he's not Juju Smith-Schuster. But in case of injury, like McColl can have that MVS route tree and he can run it well. Powell can run that Juju route tree and he could probably do it well. I don't know if Watson can do what Juju does. And that's that's where I, I think it probably lends itself more towards Powell getting that last spot on the roster. Yeah, and... I am eager to see kind of how they deploy these wide receivers too, because Juju, his last couple of years in Pittsburgh was pretty much just a slot wide receiver. Like they've put him outside hardly ever. And some of that was the offense um, because Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw it for more than five yards, but it, it, I think it depends on you know, how they kind of deploy these guys because they like putting Travis Kelsey in the slot. I think Sky Moore is going to be really good out of the slot for them. And so I think it kind of depends on how they rotate the guys. But yeah, it's like MVS. He's just a straight line speed guy. I, I don't expect that much uh, out of Marquez this season. I know he's been getting some hype too, but I, I just don't buy it really. But he's a lock for the roster. Like he he is going to make this football team. And so, yeah, it comes down to those last couple of guys, which guys can do more things. And it probably is Cornell Powell because Justin Watson's the same guy. He's just straight line speed, deep shot. Let's see if we can take the top off the defense really quick when they're not expecting it because this is the fifth wide receiver. I'm ready for preseason. Um, that, that's that's where we're at. We need to see these guys in actual game action. When, whenever Darius Fountain originally got here that's when it really started to come together that oh that's a guy that can make this roster same thing was true a couple of years ago with Jody Fortson he got into the games like okay what you're seeing in practices might actually be real this is translating to the games I want to see what that looks like at the wide receiver position and then the last place that I want to talk about today Serta, just to kind of get your reaction to what we've been seeing in camp this week is a cornerback spot I'm not sure there's any position on the roster right now that is more fluid than what we're watching at corner, at least when it comes to the starting spot. I think most of the starter roles are pretty established at this point in time. I don't know who that third corner is going to be in the nickel right now. We know that at one spot, it's going to be McDuffie. Another spot is going to be Legereus Sneed. 
most of camp. It seems like Joshua Williams has been that third guy. Today, it was Jalen Watson, a rookie that was there as well. Rashad Fenton at some point, we don't know when exactly, is going to be coming back from the PUP. I wouldn't say I'm concerned about the cornerback spot yet, but I'm cautiously pessimistic on what we're seeing from the group. I, I'm i very curious to see what it looks like going into these preseason games where they're having live bullets against real wide receivers, especially against Washington when you're going up against Terry McLaurin. That's going to be the one that I'm very curious to see what this group looks like. I mean, I'm not feeling good about Trent McDuffie right now. <laughs> I mean, everything that I – and I know everybody is always trying to play catch-up on training camp. Like, part of my job is to just make sure I know what's going on, even if I'm not on the ground at Chiefs training camp. So I'm following these storylines all day, every day. And there has been very little positive response about Trent McDuffie so far in training camp. Um, But I do think that some of it, and I agree with you, he's locked in. He is a starting cornerback. And I think that's part of it is that Spags is just kind of throwing him to the fire because if it were up to Spags, he doesn't like deploying rookies this fast, but they don't really have a choice this season. So Spags is just like, okay, you just got to dive in. Like you just got to learn it. It's, A lot of this hinges on Rashad Fenton because when we saw Rashad Fenton last season, we talked about it a ton. He was a really good player for them. He has been a really good player for them when he's gotten a lot of playing time and he's been a really underrated player that hasn't gotten enough credit over the last couple of seasons for how well he's played for them. But he's missed a lot of time now. And and I don't know if that's coming to an end anytime soon. You know, Andy Reid said this week just – Oh, he's progressing. You know, we're, we're, he's, he's doing well. We're, we're hoping to get him back on the field soon, which is like what they've been saying for months. So I don't know when Fenton's going to come back, but I would have to imagine he's going to be the other starting corner with a, a mix of Joshua Williams, because I do think that the hype around him is real. I, I think that he can be a really good player for them. Um, I, again, though, I don't think Spags under any circumstance wants to deploy two rookies in his starting secondary come week one of the season, but they, they might not have a choice, but Joshua Williams say what's the other option. Yeah. It's Joshua Williams. At least he's got the length and size and and he's shown that he's, he knows how to use it. And so I I am excited about him as a player because I think he could wind up being a really, really good developmental player for them. But yeah, it's, I'm not super optimistic that it's going to be great early in the season um, because it is trending that way, that there's going to be two rookie cornerbacks in their secondary starting week one in the NFL season. And I think those guys have upside and they have talent, but that's not where you want to be come week one. Yeah. It it reminds me a little bit of, I think it was like 2018, 19, one of those two, I think it was 18 when we first saw Charvarius Ward in the secondary. Right. And it, it took like, eight, nine, 10 weeks to get to that point. And then he played against Seattle and was like, oh boy, this is not good. But he was in the right position every single time that they threw the ball. They just threw it deep, went over his head. He wasn't able to come down with it, didn't make a play on the ball, and then gave up a ton of yards as a result. That was late in the season because they tried the veterans first. They didn't really have that option this time around. It's going to be one of Joshua Williams, Nazi Johnson, Jalen Watson. Like one of those three guys, at least the way that things are trending right now, is almost certainly going to be starting week one. 
And when you're going up against the Cardinals and then the Chargers and the Colts and the Bucks and the Raiders and the Bills and the 49ers, you've got some good wide receivers early in the season, man. This is not an easy schedule to just be like, okay, yeah, it's going to be fine. We've got rookie corners starting on both sides of things here. No, those guys better be ready to go, man, because you got some really good passing offenses early in the season and some good schemes as well that you're going to have to be going up against. I know last week I said this is the best young secondary in football. <laughs> I um, forgot about that. <laughs> uh, which, you know, it, I probably still believe that. I think there is a ton of upside in this unit. But, yeah, it's when you look at the Chiefs' first eight weeks of the season, like it's not where you want to be week one. And – it's if they can find a way to get Rashad Fenton back and he's ready to go uh, come the first regular season game of the of the year, I'm going to feel a lot better about it because I've seen Rashad Fenton do it. I've seen Rashad Fenton be a really consistent starting NFL cornerback for this defense, but it just doesn't seem like it's trending in the right direction. It just doesn't seem like there's been any progress there with him so far. So I, I think that's probably what's going to happen. And yeah, when you rattle off the offenses that they're playing against, like those are some really good opposing wide receivers. The, that that's that's not great. And then you ta start talking about the division and the wide receivers that are in this division. Like it's gonna be a problem, I think, early in the season because those guys need to get some time. They they need to learn, and that's why they don't like deploying these rookies right away. Because Spags, the way he likes to play defense, he's like, yeah, I need you to play man coverage. <laughs> I need you to man up and shut this guy down and make a play and make sure he doesn't run past you. And there's just not very many rookie cornerbacks in the NFL that are capable of doing that at a high level in their first regular season game. In the first seven weeks of the season, you'll see Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Michael Pittman, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Debo Samuel, and oh, by the way, in week one, maybe, depending on how things go, probably Hollywood Brown as well. It, it's a it's a murderer's row of wide receivers. And oh, by the way, the quarterbacks on all of those teams happen to be pretty darn good as well. If these guys aren't ready, it's going to be a problem. That's the group that I'm most interested in seeing, I think, in the preseason, is what you've got at cornerback. Because like wide receiver, you've got pros there. I know everybody's excited to see Sky Moore, but you've got pros there at the top end. Offensive line is basically what it was a year ago. I want to see what Isaiah Pacheco is, but as we mentioned earlier, I think he's a tertiary piece. I don't think he's a guy that's going to be a starting option for you. Defensive line, George Karloftis, he'll be cool to see, but he's probably a backup going into the year. Linebackers, we know. Safeties, we know are at least guys that have done, been there, done that before. We've never seen these corners, and two of them are going to be starting <laughs> in week number one. If there is one unit that I'm most curious to see once we actually get into the preseason, it is 100% without a doubt these cornerbacks and finding out, okay, where's Trent McDuffie at and which of those other rookie corners is most likely to start opposite him in week one. Yeah, we just have to get to game action. We just got to get to a preseason football and see these guys going against some opposing units and guys that are also competing to win and to get and to get jobs and to get contracts and to find roles in an offense because it's not the same right now like the, right now we've been hyping up the secondary and we've been hyping up the cornerbacks and it's great that Joshua Williams and, and Jalen Watson and these young guys are, are making plays uh, against those dudes in practice it's just not the same thing and so 
we could feel really good about it right now. And then once we're a month into the season, we could be like, Oh, we have the worst cornerback group in football. <laughs> like, like that's not an unrealistic possibility. I don't think that that's necessarily true, but when you're this young, there's going to be a lot of development. There's going to be a lot of growing pains. And, you know, I love Legarius Seen. I think Legarius Seen's a great player, but he's the only guy in that cornerback room that you're like, well, at least we don't have to worry about him. And that's not a good position to be in. Yeah, I, I'm a little worried about it, but I'm not ready to freak out just yet because I want to see these guys in real action before I do so. And we'll get that opportunity next week for the first time against the Chicago Bears. Not exactly the most lethal of wide receiver core. So if they start shredding you apart, uh, that is that is when I will officially at least have more concerns than where I'm at right now. Serta, hopefully next week we actually have Ron the Show Hughley with us and we'll have the full show together, uh, I think two weeks in a row at that point for the first time in like six weeks. <laughs> so fingers crossed that ends up being the case. For Steven Serta, I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll talk to Ron next week. This has been Show and BK on the Chiefs. We are out of here. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.